I think this one's interesting from uh, the Exorcist that we just did. Yeah. The way it compares. Well, I guess we're starting. <laughs> oh, are we? Yeah. Whoa. Oh, there we go. Okay. It's a demon pig. <laughs> Chupacabra? Yeah, that too. Something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's another night in the Parababble studio. Yep. High energy. Super high energy. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have to do something about that. Start, a... like, stretching before shows or something. Yeah. Yeah. So take a little trip to 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, New York. Dun, dun, dun! Yeah. Amityville. Yep. Source of paranormal contention for years. I think we're going to solve it tonight, though. Uh, well, you know, if it was up to you, you would just solve it right here and now, and that would be the end of the discussion. Yeah, I tend to do that. I know. That's not good, though. I know how your feelings are on it. Yeah. Do you believe that there's any real true life hauntings that would require exorcisms? Um, do you think it's, like, even in the realm of possibility? You mean, like, famous ones? I just mean, like, in reality. But no. Because <laughs> you have to, like... I guess if you if you have to exercise something, a demon, you have to believe in all that, I guess, right? Like the heaven and hell stuff, right? Yeah. The religious part. I guess so. I mean, you could still have a malevolent energy happening without okay. having to believe that it's yeah, I mean, if you related guess, to that. I guess if you put it that way, then maybe. Because the priest did nothing at Amityville anyway. No. If anything, it made it worse. If they were even there at all. <laughs> oh, mm -hmm. yep. Conspiracies, paranormal conspiracies. Yep. On this episode of Parababble. So I don't even know where you start with this one. Because there's like, there's like three different timelines, I feel like. There are. For this. And I feel like the movies and the book have like not helped anything either. No. Yeah. It's like it just gets more dramatized every single time something new comes out. And before you know it, it's so convoluted that it's pretty far removed from the actual story yeah it was pretty convoluted to begin with too yeah so i mean you got the haunting the the famous one that where the movies all came from the books and whatnot for the, with the lots family yep but before that you have the the defeo murders yes you know nothing like hacking up your family with yeah, an axe no he didn't hack them up with an axe oh i thought he did no that was a basilica <laughs> They all blend together after a while. I, it's similar, actually. I was going to bring that up. <laughs> because what he did, Ronald DeFeo Jr., he murdered his entire family in their home at 112 Ocean Avenue. And it was the mother, the father, and his four siblings. So six. He killed six people. He shot them point blank with a, with a rifle. And we know that to be fact. Yes. So that actually happened. That actually happened. Okay. But this is the one thing that I think is like the most mysterious about everything about this. Is how he did it. Because every family member was found face down in their bed with a bullet hole in the back of their head. Somewhere on the first floor, somewhere on the second floor. And they never figured it out. And no they one never ever tried to they... scream or run away or any yeah, of that like, weird like, thing. How did none of them move? They were just right. they all... Like you think the first gunshot goes off, it'd wake up the entire house. Because right. it was not... It was not like a... A quiet gun, if there is such a thing. 
It was like a shotgun, wasn't it? Yeah, similar to, yeah. Yeah. So he starts in one person's room and just mm-hmm. goes on a rampage all through the house. And the scene is grisly, mm-hmm. as you would expect. And no one ever really knows why he did it. Well, I think he was mentally ill. But no one really ever knows why he did it. No, not specifically. If there even was a reason. Yeah. He also admitted to being on drugs at the time, heavily. Yeah. But, I mean, a lot of people do drugs and no one goes around yeah, that's killing true. every family member in their household either. Yeah. If you read certain things about it, he was possessed. He was a man possessed. <laughs> that's what some people say. <laughs> Some psychiatrists say he suffered from paranoid psychosis and delusion. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just read a story today about a mom who um, tried to eat her three-year-old baby. Hmm. Yeah. Crazy stuff. No, not three-year-old. Three-week-old. And blamed it on postpartum depression. Kind of crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she was possessed by a demon. Or maybe she was just mentally ill. Maybe. She can get, like, a book deal and make a movie out of it. Yeah. So that happens. Then the Lust family moves in. Supposedly, they know nothing about what happened. Right? Yeah. They knew, like, nothing. Well, they knew that the murders took place. They were made aware that there was murders in that house. Was that before or after they were, like, already bought the house? Before. Yeah. Yeah. I, I started watching a documentary there's a new documentary out about it was it a real documentary like factual yeah i guess (laughs) they talk to people (laughs) because it does seem odd that you would want to move your family Mm -hmm. into a house where somebody killed their entire family right yeah well they got a great deal on it yeah but even still i mean i don't know yeah well that might have been part of why they wanted it in the first place i mean just the mojo it is a nice looking house yeah you know nice area yeah Literally on the ocean? It's um, not really on the ocean, but it, it's a nice area. Yeah. Yeah. By the water. Some some sort of body of water. I mean, anybody can go and drive by. It's pretty open. Do you know it's it's blocked out on Google Maps? Is it really? Yeah. If you try to go out and Google Map it, Google Street View, it's blurred out. See, I grew up on Long Island, so we drove past it just yeah. randomly whenever. And it was just like no big deal. Because supposedly after the Lutzes moved out and the new people moved in, they never had another paranormal experience yeah. there. Yeah, that's what, that's what they say. No yeah. one. Let's live there afterwards. Yep. So the Lutzes move in, and at first everything seems peachy keen. Yep. No problems. Mm-hmm. And then all of so, a sudden the dad starts going bananas. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So um, some of the furniture in the house, too, was left over, left behind from the DeFeo. Of course it I should was. mention. Of course it was. As they were looking through this house, they bought it for $80,000, which was very uh, cheap even back then, I guess, for the house where it is and how big it was, over 4,000 square feet. There was still blood on the walls, and uh, the bullet holes were around, too. Like, you could see the bullet holes in the... So they knew what was going on there before, but that didn't stop them. I think I think it was all. I think they, he kind of knew ahead of time, like this is what he was gonna do. You think so? Yeah. It's a lot of pre-planning. Mm-hmm. Usually, if you're mentally unstable, you don't have that kind of a pre-sorted out plan. 
Well, this is George Lutz I'm talking about. Well, I know, but yeah. I mean, you know, to be like, yeah, I'm going to move into this house where there was this murder, these murders that happened, and then I'm suddenly going to like pretend like I'm crazy too and just to make a buck. Yeah, he really didn't pretend he was crazy so much, I would say, but and he definitely profited off of what happened. Mm-hmm. Well, and he, he was... said he was like dealing with some kind of demon in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was big into the paranormal before this, though. Yeah, yeah I which remember. Which is like a, a little-known fact. Did yep. you know he knew Ray Buckland in the 70s? No, I didn't know that. That's what I learned from the documentary. But I knew he was, like, super into, like, the paranormal, and he believed in ghosts, and he believed in yeah. demons and all those kinds of things. Yep. But he wasn't, at least from what I remember, he wasn't the first one to even have experiences in the house. No. Mm-mm. His kids and then his wife. And then all of a sudden, it him. Yeah. You gotta wonder how much he influenced them too, though. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're a kid and you're moving into a house where you know that six people were shot, I mean, I would think that that would be pretty scary. I wonder if the kids knew. Because that I don't know. Well, if there was still blood and there was bullet holes. They might not have understood bullet holes. I would hope they would have cleaned the blood off before they moved in. And you would <laughs> think that like their neighbors would be like, oh, you're living in the murder house. Yeah, all the neighborhood kids. Yeah. Yeah, probably word gets around. I'm sure. I mean, that was like a big, that's not an everyday occurrence that something crazy like that goes on. Yeah. So things start happening. Isn't it like poltergeist stuff at first? It seems like it. Like um, doors and windows opening and closing and noises and flies and yeah so you know what does any good person do they go to their local church and be like can you come here and bless the house because we think something bad's in it Mm -hmm. so somebody comes blesses the house supposedly that just sets off everything supposedly yeah (laughs) it's funny when i was watching this documentary and like I was thinking about the the episode we did in The Exorcist a few episodes ago, and it's funny how similar the supposed real story is in compared to the the movie that eventually came out. Because there were so many things that I I heard them claim to be real in the documentary that actually happened in the movie. I was like, really? Like the pig, the demon pig in the window? Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, the mom, Kathy, like, aging in front of the husband's uh, eyes, like, in real time. Into, like, an old woman. And the window coming down on the kid's hands. Yep. All that stuff. They claimed really happened. Finding hoof prints out in the snow. From the demon pig, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, from the demon pig. Yep. Uh, so when the Catholic Church doesn't help you... What do you do next? You run out of the house and get a movie deal and make a lot of money off of it. No, you gotta call the Ghostbusters Yeah. in they... the 1970s. And the only Ghostbusters in the 1970s were Ed and Lorraine Warren. This may have been part of the whole uh, make lots of money part, though, I think. Yeah. This was after they flood the house. Well, except for the fact that the Warrens then definitely agreed that something was terrible in the house and everything was going to be bad. Have they ever gone to a place, though, where... It wasn't that way? Yeah. 
I mean, I'm sure that they probably did. They just didn't write mm-hmm. about it. They didn't publish anything about those places. It's funny, like, uh, the documentary I was watching, it showed footage of them investigating the house and, like, all this old archival footage from the 70s. And uh, there was one of Hans Holzer that went there, too. And you could tell, like, even just back in the 70s like that, the way that they, like, the showmanship and, like, making things seem spooky, it, like, reminded me of, like, a 1970s version of Zach Baggins. It's like it was still the same stuff back then. Yeah. Well, where do you think they learned it from? I don't know why I'm just realizing this now after, what, 14 years? Well, I feel like that's why it's always hard, because when you talk about paranormal and ghost hunting and, you know, is this stuff real? Is it not real? You know, we always come back to that same question, like, where's the evidence been? And, you know, if you really have these dedicated paranormal researchers out there Mm -hmm. for 40, 50 years now, even longer, Mm -hmm. I mean, Holzer was in the 50s. Why are we still not any closer to any information than we were then? So it makes it hard to, like, be a believer, I think, sometimes, especially nowadays with how much technology and things we have yeah and it's interesting too because it's like i feel in the 70s when it, it took off took off with the boom you know with like the exorcist and amityville and all that i think the technology like took a leap then and that's what made everybody interested you know the cameras were more available and right recordings voice recordings things yeah. like that well even to be able to do research you know mm-hmm. the internet makes everything super easy to google and find out about and nowadays yeah but it also makes it easier to debunk a lot of things. So I don't feel like mm-hmm. we have these big paranormal cases. You know? No, we don't. Like Amityville, the Enfield poltergeist. You know, there was like so many different things that happened in like a 10 year span in the 70s, early 80s, that it was like hotbed for paranormal. Yeah. And it's like at the same time, if something like that was going on right now, would it just get lost in the shuffle of all the other crap out there? Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) So the Warrens, (laughs) um, I know a lot of their stuff has like been debunked at this point, which is kind of crazy because, you know, part of me is like, that's not really fair now either. Like neither one of them are here to try to rebuttal anything that anybody says, you know? And I feel like even if a lot of these things and a lot of the cases that they worked they were over-dramatized, because I'll, I'll give you that for mm-hmm. sure, it's like there might still have been some shred of truth that brought somebody somewhere to begin with. I don't know. It's weird. I have this book by Lorraine Warren and Ed Warren called The Demonologists. And they wrote this book. Um, with Gerald Daniel Brittle and it was first published in like 1980 and then again in like 2002 but it's kind of crazy to go through and read some of this stuff and you know we were talking about the Amityville Horror House tonight so of course I wanted to see what their take on it was back when it was still fresh you know because yeah. now we've had how many years to go back and relook at the case over and over and over and over again. So many documentaries, so many movies, multiple books. But there's a part in the book where they talk about uh, being in a lecture and people start asking them questions about it. And I just have to like read this to you because 
I feel like you're just going to be like, yep, see, I told you it was crap. (laughs) (laughs) But in the book, it says, how did you two originally become involved in the Amityville horror case? A tan gentleman in a rugby shirt asks the Warrens. So they're at like some convention and, you know, they would always go through and like talk about some of their case files and then they would open it up for questions at the end. Also, what did you do during your investigation that the others didn't? So the questions enliven the audience. It's apparent they want to hear the answers to. Your long question, sir, requires a long answer. Lorraine warns him graciously. That's okay, he calls out. All right, then, Lorraine begins. Our involvement started the last week of February of 1976, when we received a phone call at our home from a young woman, a television producer in New York City. And she wanted to know if we had time to go look into a so-called haunted house on Long Island. I told her maybe, but said first I'd have to know more details. She then explained about the 1974 DeFeo murders and the Lutz's experiences in the house. And after that, the young woman told me that her television station was covering the work of parapsychologists and psychic researchers who entered the home right after the Lutz family fled. However, after a month's time, these investigators hadn't come up with any concrete answers. So she wanted to know if we could hold a seance in the house, because that sounds like a great idea, and tell them if spirits were behind the problem. Yes, I told her we could investigate the house. However, holding a seance would be quite another matter. She understood. While I was on the phone, I consulted with Ed, who agreed it would be all right to go and investigate the case. When we went to Long Island... We got there, George and Kathy Lutz. We met them for the first time. The Lutzes had been staying at Kathy's mother's house. George and Kathy said they didn't want to even come near the house they owned. We had to go to them to get the house keys. And in order not to prejudice our inquiry, we didn't interview the Lutzes at that time. Okay. But they already know all of the experiences and everything that's been happening because it's already out in the media. Yeah. We did, however, ask them a few pointed questions to test their sincerity. They were sincere, all right. They were scared to death. (laughs) And for his part, George asked only one thing of us. If we were going to enter the house, would we please get the deed and bring it to him? (sighs) We agreed to do this and left for the site. The house was beautiful, Lorraine continues. Flipping the tartan stash back over her velvet weight coast... Ed parked the car in the driveway and we walked once around the house to get a drift of the place. After that, we unlocked the front door and went in. Once inside, the first thing Ed and I did was to walk through the house together, one floor at a time. What we found was a home that looked like it had been hastily evacuated. On the dining room table, there was a gingerbread house all set for Christmas. Newspapers from mid-January 76 were lying about on tables or on the floor. The kitchen cupboards were stocked with food, as was the refrigerator, and in the basement, a stand-up freezer was loaded with a couple hundred dollars worth of provisions. Laundry was folded on the dryer and ready to be put away. The bar was stocked with sealed bottles of liquor. The closets were full of clothes. Jewelry sat on the Lutz's bedroom bureau. Heirlooms, even the family photograph album, was being left behind, out in full view for the taking. In short, the house looked just the way your own house probably would look tonight if you came home and then came to see us. Had these people um, consecrated their story, they certainly wouldn't have left the deed to their house behind along with a wealth of personal valuables. 
our investigation involved going ahead with the seance, even though she said that they weren't <laughs> going to do that. Therefore, we returned to the Amityville Horror House at a later date to conduct a night seance before television cameras and recording equipment, as we'd been requested to do. All in all, I believe there were 17 people present. Wow. Three psychic mediums, including myself, this is still Lorraine talking, participated in the sitting. The other two psychics were Mrs. Alberta Riley and Mrs. Mary Pascarella. Both Mary and Alberta are exceptionally fine trans mediums, both professionals, both dear friends of ours. Before the seance was held, Ed used religious provocation, which they don't go into detail about what that was like, but I'm sure he probably tried to exercise the house again. Um, we knew that if it was an inhuman spirit that was present, it would be provoked to react by exposure to holy objects. However, we did not know how it would react. Well, we got a response all right, Ed nods. Phenomena let go, not in terms of terrifying external activity, but rather as a physical assault on at least half of us present, which I had, had not known until I read this account, that it was physical with people. That's the first I heard of it, too. Especially those who had a pivotal job to do during the seance. Hmm. I began to suffer involuntary physical reactions, such as heart flutterings. These palpitations, as I call them, affected me personally for some three weeks after we were in the house. At least half of those present during the seance experienced or reported phenomena in the house that they considered to be out of the ordinary. So although the seance was essentially a fiasco, that fiasco occurred as a result of some external agent. Near the aisle, a dark-haired woman stands up. I was told that the priest in the Amityville horror book never existed. Madam, Lorraine answers, that priest in that case is a friend of ours. We know him very well. Not only did the things happen to him that were reported in the book, more things have happened to him since that were never reported. Father has suffered many times for his involvement in that case. So that's a firsthand account from a lecture that they gave from a random question in the audience. Yep about what it is that they experienced there. So, too, it's interesting. The documentary I watched, which, by the way, it's, it was called uh, Amityville, an origin story. They actually talked to some of the people that were there that night. The newscasters, like the, the reporters, they said nothing happened to them. It was like, whatever, nothing. It's just a nice little house. Well, nice big house. <laughs> nothing going on. I do find it interesting, though, that they did just abandon the house like that and mm-hmm. leave everything and they ref- did still refuse to go back. So that's a pretty long ways to go to. Uh... Right. I mean, and if you're seeking fame, mm-hmm. I mean, don't you think you would get the opportunity to get in front of cameras and get in front of people and like, be like faking those same things happening? Like, yeah. or like, oh, film it's attacking me. Oh, you know, like a TV special them returning to the house or something right? like that. So that is interesting, I'd say. Not enough to sway you, though. No. <laughs> so what's your theory about the Amityville Horror House? I don't think any of it's real. None of it? None of the haunting, haunted stuff, no. I don't. <laughs> the, the, the only thing, like I said earlier, that I'm like caught up on is how the murders were committed. Like, physically, how did he do that? I know the biggest theory is that he had help... But then it's like, who and why? Right. You know, it's 
that that's the part the, the true crime part of it is the right. part that like boggles my mind the most about like what it. did he gain from it yeah what did he gain from it and like how did how did he do it just how did he do it like you could say yeah he was he had a lot of mental issues and that's why he did it but how right I mean, I don't necessarily think that he was possessed when he killed his family, but, you know, just doing what we've done for as many years as we have, you've got to think that that kind of a situation leaves something behind. Yeah. Well, yeah, some kind of... Bad energy. energy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's violent. It's people dying, you know, very, like, unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. Not in good ways and, you know... A lot of times if we're going to have any kind of chance for there to be some kind of real life haunting somewhere, those are the kinds of things we look for, right? Yeah. Does it have a tragic history? Did something bad happen here? Yep. Why else would energy be trapped somewhere? Yeah, but I think the fact that nothing happened there before then or after the lots is left. Do you really think, of... though? I almost kind of... I See, I question that because I really wonder... If nothing has actually happened in that house, or if they just mm-hmm. don't want people to come in trying to harass them mm-hmm. and look for them, well, it's almost like could they have just claimed their space and be living side by side with whatever is there? That I guess you're right because that goes back to them wanting wanting it to be private. You know, they they took it off Google Maps somehow. I don't know how you do that, but they did it. Yeah. So they don't want to be they don't want a movie based on them. That's for sure. Right. And the f- same people have lived in the house like since all of this happened, haven't they? I don't know. I couldn't find any info on people that owned it afterwards. Which is pretty crazy. Yeah. You should look it up on Zillow and see if there's we'll any it. info sure. about the last time it. the house was sold. Um, <laughs> but as far as the murders go, Hans Holzer had a theory. Oh, okay. He thinks that Ronald DeFeo Jr. was possessed. Mm-hmm. And that the reason he was able to commit all of these murders is that because in a moment in a moment of possession, no sounds can travel outside of the house that it's coming from. Because that's the other thing. Like, okay, the shotgun blast didn't wake up the other family members. What about neighbors? The houses aren't like right. It's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. Like nobody, nobody heard it. That's an interesting theory, but. It's just a theory, you know? Yep. Like, when has anyone been able to test that? It's like, how do you know that no sound you exactly. know, happens? It's like, oh, yeah. Have you ever actually, you know, like, has he witnessed a real-life mm-hmm. possession? Those are the things that are tough, because it's like, first got to prove that possessions are real to prove that. I mean, so. when it comes to Holzer versus the Warrens, I'm always going to side with Holzer, just because I feel like he was more objective. Yeah. I mean, you know, granted, he had his moments, too, of when... Stuff was questionable, but I do feel like he at least tried to really figure it out. The Warrens were so seeped in religion that they just automatically, I think, were like, oh yeah, this is what this is. Yeah, it's a demon. Right. So let's see, 112 Ocean Avenue, Amityville, New York. (laughs) It's not on the market. It's currently estimated to be... Worth four hundred and six thousand. Very little info on it. It's very. Does it tell you when the last time it was sold was? Yeah, it was listed for sale this year. Really. January twenty third, twenty twenty three. 
and before that it was for sale in 2022 and it was sold in 1996 before that so it has had a couple different owners yeah I don't know how accurate this is though because you never know I guess yeah You want to buy a haunted house? Sure, why not? <laughs> Let me know when you find one. <laughs> so, interesting story. Makes a good movie. Yeah. But real life phenomenon? Definitely some mental health stuff going on. Yeah. In both cases, the Lutzes and... I mean... Definitely Ronald DeFeo. I always like to read... Stuff about the Warrens because I just feel like, I don't know, part of me wants to believe. You know, the conjuring, like all these things mm-hmm. really happened. Yeah. You know, the whole like Annabelle. I mean, they had so many famous cases. Yeah. That to think like it's all just crap. It's kind of sad. It's a different time, I guess. I don't know. I mean, now especially they're making that doc- that documentary, that series on HBO. I think it's on HBO about the conjuring. It's going to be like its own series. Oh, yeah? Yeah. They're doing like the last movie, and then there's going to be like a, I don't know, how many episodes season. It's like there's still, people are still writing movie scripts about their case files. Things are still happening. They make good stories still. They do. But it's sad to think that it could have just been all a bunch of crap. Yeah, I don't know. Well, oh. Can we talk about the ghost kid photo? Yeah. So, in this documentary, they they had... um, I thought it was going to be a lot better than it was. It really wasn't that great (laughs) overall, I would say. Because it started off really promising because they actually had, like... They had one of the Lutz kids involved. And I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting hearing what he has to say. But they didn't really use him very much. Right. But one of the things I thought was interesting is that he said that he was really angry with... George and his mom for he said they made up a bunch of the stuff that happened and he was mad because he said they didn't have to make things up because a lot of stuff did really happen yeah Yeah. Uh, but he also debunked the photo that got taken during the the Warren's investigation of the little supposed demon boy by the stairs Um, he says if you look at the picture you could see like the shirt that the, the demon kid is wearing. And if you look at other like photos that were taken from the investigation, the shirt matches that of one of the photographers that was there that night. So it's like a double exposure or something? It was just him, like in the background of a picture. And it was just... But that's crazy. Like, if you yeah. knew that, why would you put that out there when it could be so easily debunked? Because... And why didn't, it looks cool. Why didn't the guy ever come forward like, that's me in the photo? Because it makes a cool, creepy I mean, I story. guess so, but I just feel like there's no... That's like a serious mm-hmm. lack of creativity. Yeah. I only, And I only said that about the double exposure stuff because I know that that's come up a lot with the Warrens in the past. Yeah. Yeah, that they used, like, you know, mm-hmm. double exposure film and got a lot of weird photos that way. Yeah, and I'm not saying it was, like, faked on purpose, but... Because, you know, we take pictures. We, we, when we used to investigate, we take tons and tons of pictures. Sometimes something weird comes up, but... But that's just so you look piss at it poor. And, like, yeah, to be like, oh, look at this photo we got. It's no, actually a real person. There's no demon quality control. 
Ugh. You're yeah. ruining it. You're ruining more and more of the story for me. I know. I'm just like the downer of a, of the podcast. <laughs> Every episode. <laughs> it's like everything cool you thought was real. Nothing is. That's what we're going to read in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> everything is fake. Everything is fake. Ay, ay, ay. I don't know. I mean... Let's see what else do we got. Any, any other interesting facts here? I, any other things you want to ruin for me about... Sure. Yeah. What we thought was true. Sure. So uh, the hoof prints that the Lutzes found in their uh-huh. backyard of the demon pig, um, people went back and checked weather reports on the exact day that they said that they had the demon hoofs in the snow. There was no snow that day. Um, <laughs> there was no records of them ever calling the police, even though they claimed to have called the police several times. Oh, yeah. I do remember that, too. Mm-hmm. But you think, I don't know. I still feel like maybe the police would have been like, yeah, we're not writing up a report for this. This is crazy. Coming out here to investigate a ghost. Like, Mm. I don't Uh, know. I think they would have had to, right? I mean, do they? They couldn't have been like, hey, we're coming out here to investigate a ghost. They could have been like, came out here because there's a bunch of crackpots at this house. Think they got a ghost, (laughs) (laughs) you know? (laughs) They could have written it like that. Crazy family running around. Yep. But the son of the family still says this stuff happened. Yeah, so there's two of them. Because it's like a split thing in that family now, mm-hmm. isn't it? I think so. Like some, they don't even talk to it. Like some of the other ones don't talk to the other ones. And... I don't know what the deal is. Because um, there is another documentary from years ago that featured, I think it was the older boy. And that one was interesting because that one, from what I remember watching it, it, it really comes across as... Uh, George was very abusive. Yeah. And that's why all of this stuff kind of accumulated and built up. Right. I did remember hearing stuff about that, too. And it's like, you know, but was he always like that? Or did it get worse when he moved into the house? I think think that. Yeah. Yeah. They said, like a lot of other people said that his personality just changed completely. Well, and that's pretty much what the book and the movie say to you. Mm-hmm. You know, he became like a different person. It was like unrecognizable yeah. to his family and his friends. So, I mean, if that's mostly what happened to the kids, then you gotta wonder, like, why though? You know, right. it could be anything though. Yeah. It could be demons. It could be PTSD from being a vet. Who know? Who knows? Who's to say? Because they sold the house. They took a loss on the house. Did they? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They had to give it back to the bank, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like if they had this big elaborate plan to get rich, you know, and like make a name for themselves. I wonder how they didn't because the book, because the book came out before the movie and that sold a ton of copies. And then the movie came out that made millions and millions of dollars. So I don't know if they just didn't get cut in yeah. the right way or what. There's interesting too, in the documentary, they were talking about how they, they had reached out to somebody who was connected to Ronald DeFeo after their stint in the house and they talked about like doing some kind of deal between the two of them with a book deal or whatever and the Lutzes refused because they didn't want to give money to, to a guy that killed his family so they have some moral compass yeah in everything they're okay about lying to the general public about <laughs> whatever it is they did but mm-hmm. they don't want to murder her to get any money yeah or at the very least stretching the truth but they're not going to give it 
They're not going to give that guy that killed his family all that money. I mean, you just feel so. like some of that stuff would be easy to, like, disprove. And then, like, why even go and say it? You know? Like, if you really... If you made a claim about hoof prints in the snow, and it was that easy to find out whether or not there was mm-hmm. snow on the ground, like, why would you lie about it? But probably they weren't thinking, like, hey, people can look at the weather records and... I mean, Long Island's not a place that's known for snow, though, either. Yeah. It's not like, you know, other parts of the state where you routinely get snow every day for months at a time. It's just weird. Maybe they didn't think it was going to blow up the way that it did. I mean, I guess that's possible. And be open to that much scrutiny. 17 people came through that seance, supposedly. That's a crowded house. Yeah. I don't care how big it is. <laughs> that's a lot of spirits. If yeah. that's really what happened. But, I mean, just knowing what we know, I wouldn't go into a house where there was six people murdered and hold a seance. Yeah, probably not the best idea. And especially right? not, like, to provoke things before you did it. Yeah. I you mean... Lying down with a shotgun blasting your head. I don't know. See if we got anything else here about this. Oh, the Indian burial ground stuff. <laughs> Why is every haunted, <laughs> severely haunted place always on an Indian I think burial this ground? This is what started it, isn't it? Yeah. Because that was a big plot point. In... But that was a big load of crap. Yeah. It wasn't even true. No, and it's interesting because like some people said it is, and some people said it's not, and then there's stories about like some kid that found. Uh, like the remains of an Indian chief and he like took the head and was like playing baseball with it. And that's what started all, all this stuff. So <laughs> absolutely like... ridiculous. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, as much as everybody claims that their haunted locations are buried on Indian burial ground. I don't think anyone's ever actually found any evidence of any of that. And if you do, how, how bad is being on an Indian burial ground? Like, are they really going to come and get you? I don't know. If you plant a tree, then that appeases the spirits. There you go. Problem solved. (laughs) Yeah. Just plant a tree. (laughs) All right. I guess that solves that episode. I don't know. What are we going to ruin next? (laughs) (laughs) We should rename the show. What are we going to ruin next? Yep. Oh, my God. 